Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 10 of Maha Shoujo Madoka Magica. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So almost immediately, things are a bit different than we would normally expect them to be. I guess sort of in accordance with the indication that Homura has power over time, we're now getting what seems to be her introduction in episode one, but, um, well, different, I guess, indicating that perhaps this is a different timeline or maybe even the first timeline. I think what's really notable here is how different in personality Homura is, in that she's very shy and demure and timid. And I guess in contrast, Madoka seems more assertive and self-assured. You know, she's addressing Homura and saying, you know, hey, didn't you need to go to the nurse's office? I'll take you because that's my job. You know, it's sort of an inversion of the first episode in many ways, because in the first episode, I seem to recall I found it interesting that Homura, despite being new, had led Madoka to the nurse's office. You know, she already knew the path. So it seems like if this is in fact the first timeline or a previous timeline, you know, in Homura's mind this really set a bunch of precedents in that she and Madoka call each other by their first names, which in Japan is more of a, I guess a sign of familiarity or intimacy. You know, you don't just, like, call classmates by their first name, especially upon first meeting them. And speaking of contrast here, you know, Homura, she really has no confidence in anything, and she's... Oh, this is very interesting. She's failing at basically everything. She can't do the math. She can't even make it through the warm-ups in gym. Whereas, in the first episode, she excelled in both of those areas. So presumably, this is pre-magical girl, Homura. And it really seems like she was pretty sickly before. So it seems like this is the inciting incident here. She very nearly fell prey to a witch, and presumably is saved, because how else are we going to have the rest of the story otherwise? In a weird sort of way, this almost strikes me as being like uh, the eclipse from Berserk. Like the red sky and all that. Once again, I have to say, I really find, like, the mixed 
mediums very disconcerting in a weird kind of way. I think it was definitely a cool artistic choice. So here we have what seems to be the biggest difference so far in that Madoka is already a magical girl. So I guess that sort of accounts for her being so confident and self-assured because she knows she has power to back things up. This almost seems like a more idealistic timeline in that Madoka and Mami are already friends and they're sort of Maybe not roping Homura in with them, but they're sort of, I guess, being friends with her and spending time with her. So it's interesting that even in this timeline, Madoka having only been a magical girl for about a week, like she seems like she's on par with Mami in terms of strength. So I guess, like, even without the timeline stuff notwithstanding, she seems to have been a spectacular talent. So it seems like this is another sort of, like, fixed point in the timeline. That Walpurgis Noct will show up and it will cause all kinds of problems. In this timeline, Mommy managed to survive long enough to get killed by Walpurgis Noct. So I'm thinking this is sort of like the genesis of how Homura came to be in the way we know her. You know, Madoka is prepared to lay down her life in the attempt to kill this witch, and, you know, even Homura's like, you know, you don't have to do it, no one would blame you. But, you know, even so, that doesn't quite sit right. Now, I find it interesting that Kyubeya isn't really piping up yet. One would think he would use this moment as... I guess leverage, saying, you know, you could help Madoka if you were to sell your soul. Wow, Kyubei's pretty out and out about it, you know. He explicitly says, Would you trade your soul? What a monster. He's not even couching it in terms of like, you know, you could fight monsters. It's like, no, you have to forsake your soul. I mean, granted, for Homura, it might well be worth it, but... Ah... That's dark. So Homura makes an interesting wish. 
you know, she doesn't say, I want to save Maruka. She says, I want to meet her again, and this time be strong enough to protect her. So I'm wondering if maybe this was a poor way of wording things. So I feel like Kyube is just the type of evil genie that he's going to twist things in exactly any way he can to make sure you suffer. So you almost have to have, like, I guess a cosmic lawyer sort of read over your wish before you state it. I mean, nonetheless, Omura sort of got her wish in that she has now gone back in time. Albeit this is, um, I would imagine it's kind of like multiversal time travel, because like a fixed timeline, I don't know, that stuff doesn't really work. It's more of a fictional contrivance than anything else. So already, she's sort of redoing her first day over again, but rather than going along with the flow of things, she sort of, um, spills the beans and makes things kind of awkward. You know? I, I don't know. It, it seems like a real lack of discretion on her part to say, like, you know, hey, we're all magical girls, isn't that sweet? So, despite her powers, you know, she's still kind of, like, weak. And I think that's mainly attributed to the fact that she probably isn't fully aware of the nature of her body now. So, Mami raises a good point. You know, stopping time is all well and good, but if you can't do anything effective while time is stopped, what's really the point? And I guess in accordance with that, uh, Homura's taken to, uh, building bombs in her bedroom. Like, that's, um... That's a pretty definitive step up, if you ask me. You know, I don't think I would immediately jump to bomb-making. I mean, I was pretty good at chemistry, but I've got shaky hands. I don't want to mess around with stuff like that. Personally, at least. Now, it's nice to see the three of these characters all working together. And it really kind of shows you what could have been, and I guess indeed, what was. We get to see all these horrifically eldritch witches that we didn't really see before. So it seems like, while there are fixed points on the timeline, there are also things that change. And I guess it makes sense, considering we've seen Mommy die at various points. So, despite various things changing, it really does seem like there are some things that don't change. One of the things that won't change is that whether or not Walpurgis knocked is ultimately beaten, something horrific will happen. And in this case, it's Madoka turning into a witch.
So it's like Kyubei said, you know, she has the capability to be the greatest magical girl and thus the greatest witch. So even when she does manage to kill Walpurgis Nacht, she'll ultimately just doom everyone to something even worse. So, you know, I think Maruka had heard about this from Homer before. You know, she had tried to tell others and it hadn't worked. So, you know, she's spilling the beans to everyone about everything, and she's right, but, you know, Sayaka doesn't believe her, Mami doesn't believe her, and Maruka doesn't even really seem to believe her either. And what's worse, Sayaka's sort of, like, blaming her, you know, she doesn't like that she uses bombs, and, like, fair enough, but, you know, she's kind of limited here. If she can't, like, make bombs in her house, she has to resort to stealing weapons from the Yakuza. And, I mean, I guess if you can stop time, it's a fairly simple task, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to mess around with them at any rate. So it seems like Sayaka's ultimate doom is something that's relatively fixed as well. You know, albeit the form of her witch is slightly different, but the fact that she ultimately does succumb to despair is... fairly inevitable, it seems. I mean, that's kind of unfortunate, but I think that's really the whole point of her character in that she is overly idealistic in a world that will crush idealism. Especially if you don't have the mental fortitude to, I guess, come to terms with the fact that idealism is not always practical. So this really seems like the first time that everyone has come to terms with something awful happening. They seem to be aware of what happened to Sayaka. And... Man... This is a crushing scene. Mommy going absolutely postal on everyone. I mean, in a way, I can't blame her. It, it would seem to be the better option, but... Jeez. You know, I almost hate to say it, but she really lost her head there. So, the worst part about all of this is that it really just plays into Kyubei's hands. You know, the two of them, even together, likely can't stop Walpurgis Nacht. And even if they do manage it, they'll likely suffer and turn into witches in the end anyways. You know, I'm just thinking about it, but back to that scene when Mommy went postal, I have to say there's a 
certain amount of tactical sense in what she did in that she restrained Homer to prevent her from stopping time and killed Kyoko. But she was a little slow on the draw in finishing off the others, which I can't say I entirely blame her, but it was good tactical sense on her part to kill them in the order she was attempting to. And I guess that really only makes it worse, you know, upon realizing the horrible truth you know, it's better to kill my friends in this order to ensure they don't suffer further. So back to this scene. You know, this is really, I think, the foundation of Homer as we know her now. You know, Madoka essentially sacrifices herself to save Homer and makes her swear, you know, you have to save us. Don't let us fall into this horrible situation again. So that's why Homer is so hell-bent on preventing Madoka from making a contract. I mean, presumably she does care about the others too, but obviously to a lesser degree. Probably in no small part because Madoka's asking Homer to kill her before she can transform. Man, that is really bleak. Like, you know, I think this really is one of the best episodes of anime, like, full stop. Because it recontextualizes everything up until this point. You know, before, the show might have just been a rather dark and bleak Magical Girl series, but it sort of takes everything and reframes it in a new light. You know, this isn't just the horror of being a magical girl. This is also the horror of being a magical girl and being trapped in a horrific time loop. Wow. Okay, so Homer just sort of, like, shows up unannounced, tells her not to make any contracts, while clutching the corpse of Kyube. I mean, obviously it's not a permanent corpse, but boy, that was dark. Yeah, by this point, she's really taking no prisoners. I mean, she's using, like, actual military-grade weapons. Using prodigious use of stopping time to just kill all witches before they cause problems. So it just... It just occurred to me that maybe that very first scene of the first episode was... The end of a timeline. Especially because we're sort of seeing it again here. Man, this truly is a masterful episode. Like, essentially we're seeing Homura planning this whole conflict out using all sorts of weapons to try and stop Walpurgisnacht. But even then, she can't prevent Madoka from making a contract.
I mean, Cube is right here when he tells Madoka she can change all this, but he's not telling her the full story. He's such a monster, and I'd imagine this would be pretty hard for Homura to do. You know, obviously she has to focus on fighting Walpurgis Noct, but if doing so will stop her from saving Madoka, then the whole thing isn't worth it. Wow. So by this point, Madoka can become so powerful that she can shoot Walpurgis Nacht once and kill it. Like, that's truly incredible. Man. Cuba is such a monster. Like... Walpurgis Nacht is capable of destroying a city, but he's saying, you know, Madoka, as she is now, is capable of destroying the whole world in ten days. And he's trying to bring this about deliberately. I guess one of the other interesting bits is that Kyube doesn't really know precisely what's going on between timelines. So it seems like every time he puzzles it out, it's just in time for the timeline to basically more or less end. So I guess at this point, one has to wonder precisely how many times Homer has gone through this series of events. I think there's a strong case to make that we've seen, like, Five, but, you know, when she was alluding to statistics in regards to Walpurgis Nacht, you know, you have to have a decent sample size. So I'd imagine it was like tens or hundreds of time loops that she's undergone. And depending on how long each loop is, you know, that could add up to functionally years or decades. It's crazy.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.